So today, the uh, message will be on truth. And in truth, how do we find um, freedom in it? So um, before I start, uh, I have a short story to share with you guys. So there was two men, and these two men, they had an argument. To settle the matter, they went to a judge for arbitration. The plaintiff made his case. He was very eloquent and persuasive in his reasoning. When he finished, the judge nodded in approval and said, that's right, that's right. On hearing this, the defendant jumped up and said, wait a second, judge. You haven't even heard my side of the story yet. So the judge told the defendant to state his case. <clears throat> and he, too, was very persuasive and eloquent. When he finished, the judge said, that's right, that's right. When a clerk of the court heard this, he jumped up and said, judge, they both can't be right. The judge looked at the clerk of the court and said, that's right, that's right. <laughs> right? So we laugh at this story, but it begs the question, what is truth? So after I read the story, I concluded that the judge did not know what truth really is, what it was. So this leads to the verse, John 8.32, the words of Jesus. So you have a Bible, can you turn to John 8.32. So in here it says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, how does the truth set a person free? Does truth set you free from bad relationships, addiction, depression, anxiety? What did Jesus mean by the truth will set you free? Well, first, we need to define truth, and in defining truth, we also need to pursue it. So, what's the definition of truth? So, the Greek word for truth is aletheia, and it means to make secret things known, <clears throat> and it also means a mind that is free from affection, pretense, simulation, falsehood, and deceit. So to know truth is to come to acknowledge, to make something known, to be acquainted with, to have intimacy with. So how many of you here, you know somebody, and you can tell when they're lying? <laughs> like it's like somebody come up to you, is like, yo, I don't got the story to tell you, bro. Yeah, yada, 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 a car flipped up. I'm like, yo, bro, I already know you lying. <laughs> you know, you don't got to tell me. I already know you, you, you tripping right now. So, like, like, we know people like that, and we know them because we spend time with them, right? We went out to dinner with them. We hung out with them. We, we know more than just their name. We became acquainted with them. So, when I was a kid, my, my dad and mom were math gurus. So, like, they would literally, like, my dad would put me in the back of, like, like the black composition book and the timetables. I would have to, like, memorize, like, the, like, numbers back there. And in the, like, random times, I'll be playing video games, and my dad would be like, okay. So, <clears throat> my dad called me Buddha because I was a fat baby. So, he called me Buddha. So, so he would be like, Buddha. What's nine times nine? I'm like, dang, dad, I'm in the middle of a video game. So, like, so, so like he would just ask me, like, random times of the day these, these uh, multiplication questions. Um, so, and also in that, my dad would always send me to the store, the corner store, to buy something. And he would give me change, like, give me money, and he'll know the exact change back. So, when I would go to the store, 
I would be like, all right, man, maybe I could sneak me some, some like gumdrops, and, and my dad won't know. So I would go to the store, and I would buy these jawbreakers, and I would come in, and my dad count the money. He's like, I told you to get toilet paper, paper towels, soup. Why isn't my change the exact change? I'm like, I don't know, Dad. Maybe the guy at the corner store <laughs> don't know how to count, you know? And he was like, no, you bought something. I was like, no, Dad, not me. <laughs> not this son, you know? Like, so, but my dad, like, he knew when I was lying, you know, because he knew me. He knew, he knew me. He was there when my mom delivered me, you know? He was there. So he knew everything about me. So truth is that we have to get acquainted with it, right? We have to know what it is. So in chapter 8, um, I was reading it, and I saw how Jesus um, broke up truth, and I saw how truth had um, three different um, uses. Um, so the first use that I, I saw was that <clears throat> there is no condemnation or that we are not seen differently in Jesus' truth. Um, and that is seen in um, John 8, and it's the um, verses 1 through um, 11. So it's a, it's a story um, about the um, adulterous woman. So then each one went to the house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, <clears throat> this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. And the law of Moses commanded us to stone such woman. So what do you say, they asked, this to trap him, in order that they might have evidence to accuse him? Jesus stopped, stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When he persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued riding on the ground. <clears throat> when he heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. And this is my favorite part right here. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go from now and do not sin anymore. Right? So in that, in this story, we see that it's these people, and they came to accuse this woman of adultery. But first of all, like, where was the man at? You know? Why was the woman only brought? So they, so they come in and they bring her, and they accuse her of adultery and try to catch Jesus up, trying to catch him slipping, you know? But Jesus, but Jesus sitting there and... He said, <clears throat> if you have no sin, then throw the stones. The people were like, oh, you know, I just sinned this morning. <laughs> let me drop this stone. Let me go back home, you know. So the only one that was left was Jesus and the woman. And he said, where are they? Neither do I condemn. Like Jesus had the right to throw the stone at that woman because he never sinned. So he had the authority to sit there and, and kill that woman if he wanted to. But he said, neither do I condemn you, you know. Go and sin no more. So in this, in this truth in our lives, we have no condemnation. Or we're not seen differently in, in, in Jesus. So 
the people that were coming to um, try to trip Jesus up, they were called the scribes and, and, the, um, and the Pharisees. And throughout the Bible, like, they always tried to catch Jesus slipping. Like, they always tried to make him not to be who he was. And Jesus always came back with this smart response. And he was like, oh, man, this guy, maybe he really is God, you know? And um, the word Pharisee means separated one, you know? So these guys were separated from Jesus. And not only were they separated, but they tried to trick other people to get them to be separated from Jesus, you know? And, And today, maybe some of you guys in here have things in your life that is separating you from Jesus. Maybe it's your anxieties, you know? Maybe it's your, it's your fears. Maybe it's worrying about, oh, man, how am I going to pay these bills? You know, looking at your account, y'all got negative 30 in my bank account, you know? <laughs> how, how am I going to make this work, you know? And these things that is separating us from God, you know? But the thing is, it says, it says that he doesn't condemn us. He, he, he doesn't see us any differently. That... Our worries, our mistakes, our bad habits. We don't need to hold on to that. We don't, Jesus breaks those chains. And Jesus did that all throughout his time on earth. He broke people from bondage of, of demons. He brought, like, like this guy was blind and he helped them see again. He rose people from the dead. You know, so we don't have to make our bed and our mistakes. We don't have to sleep there. We don't have to contemplate it, you know, because in Micah 7, 9, <clears throat> it says, he will, have, he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins in the depths of the sea. You know? So the sea is pretty deep, you know? <laughs> and he'll cast it in the depths of the sea. And he's the garter of that area. And who can get beyond him? Nobody. So the things that we're worrying about, the things that separates us from Jesus, our mishaps, you know, we can throw it. He, he threw it in the sea, and we don't have to worry about that. So the first use of Jesus' truth is that we, there's no condemnation, and we're not seen differently. And the second use that I saw of, of his truth is that we are integrated into his ministry. Um. In John chapter um, 8, verse 12, Jesus says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus's ministry is bringing hope to people, you know, worldwide, bringing hope to people locally, bringing hope to people in your community, right? So I remember when um, when I first heard of Jesus, um, I was this poor kid from the ghetto walking into a church. And the only reason I was there because I didn't have food at home. And I, and when I was there, I heard about this guy. He's like, yeah, this guy, Jesus, he died for you about 2000 years ago. And I was like, but why, why me? Why did he come to die for a man like me? That my sins, you know? separated me from God, and why did he do that for me? And when I believed in him, you know, I was integrated into his ministry that whoever follows me 
will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know? So to be integrated into Jesus' ministry and to give hope to people. It was this one time I was in um, Center City, Philly, and um, I, was a, I was a youth pastor for a church, and we was handing out <clears throat> food to the people there in Philly, and it was this, this homeless man, and we were out of food, and I was kind of done with the day, uh, and we were going to, to go to Chinatown to like end the day with like bubble tea, and, <laughs> and, we, and we were walking there, and this guy came up to me, and he said, I'm hungry. And the back of my mind, I was just like, oh, man, I'm tired, you know. I just, I just got finished hanging on like 200 bags of food. Um, but in that, like, something struck to me. It was like, Raheem, why are you here? Why did I leave my house? Why did I pack those bags? So I emptied my wallet, and I bought this guy some food because that is what Jesus would have done. You know, and then afterwards, this guy came up to me. He said, Raheem, I, I kneel today on the ground to people so, so that they can give me money. And when they looked at me, they just saw me as this poor man that was nothing. But when I saw you, I knew that you would do something differently. You know, and that wasn't me. I wasn't exuding this greatness. It was Jesus. You know, it was the Holy Spirit that was in me that was showing other people, you know. So it was God that, that, that like, who was doing that? And, and this man, and we, I remember we were in line, um, and he was just like, can you pray for me? I was like, right here? And he was like, yeah, right here. So we, like, made a circle, and people were, like, walking around us, but, I, but we prayed for this guy right there in Center City, Philly, in Reading Terminal Market, you know, so that he could know that Jesus is real. So it's to be integrated into his ministry and to, and to spread hope to other people and to be the light of the world of how Jesus was. So the first truth is that, or the first use is that we have no condemnation, right? And the second truth is that we are integrated into his, um, into his ministry. And the third use in, in this truth that I saw is that simply freedom is in the truth, you know? So, again, I'll read, it says in John 8.32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, we find freedom by giving our lives over to God. There's a Christian song that, that has a verse that I really like, and it says, though you have me captive, I am free. And captivity usually is not a word that is associated with freedom. You know, when you think of captivity, you think of slaves, you think of prisoners, you think of someone who doesn't have their individual right, you know, to be captive. But I like this quote that digs deeper into the thought of captivity and freedom by Philip Brooks. It was a lyricist um, of the hymn, O Little Town in Bethlehem. So he says, <clears throat> no man in this world attains freedom from any slavery except by entrance into some higher servitude. There is no such thing as an entirely free man conceivable. You know, so some of you guys in here are like, man, I can't wait to get out of my mom's house. Man, when I get out of my mom's house, I'm out. I got freedom, you know. But as soon as we go to college, you got those bills. You got Sally Mae, right? You got your college professor that you got um, to um, go to and you got to serve under. You got those grades that you have to keep up. 
So there's a point in our lives where we're like, man, I'm free. But we're always under something. We're always a servant of something. Some of you guys in here have spouses, you know, a wife and a husband that we have to, that you have to be a servant to. And some of you guys in here have children. And you already know you got to be a servant to them. You know, I'm pretty sure my mom's like, oh, <laughs> this Raheem character, you know, like, he's crazy. But my mom was a, my, my mom and my dad, they, they served me well. So we have to become servants, you know, and, and, and to be freed from that. That we're free when we are captive in Christ, you know. Isn't that cool? And, like, don't get me wrong. There's a difference between a servant and a slave, you know. Like, their work is done purely for the slave owner with no benefit for the slave. You know, between a slave and a a servant, a a servant has a contract. You know, and a contract has benefits. If you do this, you get that. A slave is just built this statue, sleep on that rock. You know, there's there's no benefits for the slave. But under Jesus, we're not slaves, but we're servants, right? We coexist. And he, he does things for us, even though he doesn't have to. He serves us, too, you know? So, and, and the thing is that, like, if, if captivity in Jesus gives us freedom, then, then why don't we ask Jesus to become our master, you know? If servitude under Jesus for the rest of our lives guarantees us freedom, then why don't we serve him for the rest of our lives? But the thing is that when when you say this, when people say, oh, freedom in Jesus is is great, it's just like, I can do whatever I want to. It's like, no, you really can't. Because freedom does not mean that we get to do what we want without consequences. Our Our decision still has consequences. So when I worked for um, CEF, it was Child Evangelism Fellowship, um, we would go to these after-school programs, and we would play these, these games with the children. And one of the games that the kids really liked was Fishy Fishy Cross My Ocean. So basically, <coughs> like, this would be like the ocean. The kids would be over here. Someone would be in the middle. That would be a, 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 a pretend shark. And the kids would, like, run across. And if you tag them, there will be seaweed. they got to stand still, right? <laughs> But, but there was, like, there was boundaries in this game, you know? There was boundaries, and <clears throat> so these kids can stay safe. Because if there was no boundaries, a kid was smacking the wall, losing teeth, you know? So the thing is that we had to create boundaries in a designated area so these kids cannot get hurt. And that's the same with us and Jesus, that Jesus put these, these boundaries around us, and he says, no, you can't do that. It is not because he's been this, this strict dude, but it be, because he knows what that leads to. Amen. He knows the danger is that if you keep going, you're going to smack the wall, you know? So Jesus put these restrictions around us, and he says, no, don't do that, because I know the pain that comes from that, right? There's a verse in Hebrews where it says that, we don't have a God who, like, doesn't know. We don't have a God that, like, didn't come to earth. We don't have a God that, like, didn't sweat, bled, and cried. He knows. He knows us. He knows our struggles. 
right? So the first, first use of truth is that there's no condemnation. The second use is that, no, I almost got my second use. Oh, yeah, we are integrated into his ministry. And the, and the third use is that there is simply this freedom in truth. There's freedom in it. So question is, so what, like what is truth, you know? Where is it that we can find it? And not that Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth kind of truth, you know? But authentic truth. <clears throat> I bet, like, if I Googled how to find, find truth, I would get a ton of articles, BuzzFeed articles, essays written by people trying to convince me that their way of finding the truth is the way of finding the truth. All you got to do is <laughs> buy, these, buy this incense, do a little woo-woo-woo, you know, and you find your truth. No, that's not, I'm not, I'm not spending my money on some incense, you know? Or, or you can like go and you can like, there's all these other religions out there, you know? If you, if you read about Islam, if you pray to Allah, and then you take that trip to Mecca, you're guaranteed afterlife, a place into heaven. You know, if you believe in Hinduism, if you go, if you don't have no raid in your house, if you don't kill bugs, you know, then that's not what you be reincarnated as. You know, and then you have the Mormons that after you die, you get your own galaxy. You know, so it's these weird truths out there. So it's like, how do we find truth, you know? How do we find it? And, and the thing is that, that in our generation, in my generation, I feel like <clears throat> we go to Instagram, you know? We go to Facebook. We go to Snapchat. We go to Twitter. We try to get validation. Let me post this picture. If I get 100 likes, man, I'm free. You know, that's me. If people like my Facebook posts, that's me. Oh, look at how this person living. Oh, why I don't got that. You know, then we get caught up in this trap. That this, this, this spiral that leads to that wall again. You know? So where is it that we can find truth? And to, to be personal is that there is no other God that stepped down for me from heaven. There is no other God that gave up their individual deity to become a man for me. There is no other God who died for me. There is no other God that took whips on the back for me. There is no other God who took a crown of thorns for me. So truth is experiential. You know, so we know that God is real through our experience with him. Now, remember those times that he saved you. Remember those times that he swooped through to save you from calamity. Remember those times when he took your burdens off of you. Right? Like, remember, like, really remember those times that I can remember when I was a, a freshman in college and my mom, she, she just got off of drugs, and, um, and her body reacted weird, and she had these, these strokes. She had, like, 
three strokes in like four months. I remember I was in college, and um, my like, like my brothers called me frantic and said, "Mom's in the hospital." I was like, "I'm like, what happened? She had a stroke again." So I'm sitting here in college trying to trying to study while my mom is is while my mom is away, you know, and I'm just like, "How can I do that?" So I remember I like went to my um, it was this guy I knew around campus, and I and I and I went to go talk to him. It was a Christian college, and I was just like, "Where is God?" Where is he? My mom needs him. I need him right now. I remember he, like, took me to the Bible, and he said, well, Raheem, he was on a cross for you, you know? So I remember those experiences, you know? And those experiences validate God's truth in our life. It makes it real. That our testimonies, right? Our testimonies make his truth real. Amen. That you can go to someone, if someone tries to convince you that Jesus isn't real, say, no, let me tell you. You know? Let me tell you what he delivered me from. Let me tell you what he saved my mom from. Let me tell you what he saved my neighborhood from, you know? So you remember those times. And David says in Psalm 119, 151, but you are narrow, God. Oh, Lord, and all of your commandments are true. So what David is expressing is that where God is, <clears throat> truth is where God is. And an absence of God is an absence of truth. Right? So an absence of God is an absence of truth. So I just want to like, re reiterate to you guys, I don't want you guys to forget that to remember, you know, to remember. Because if you don't remember, then you end up like the Israelites who forgot that God was with them with uh, a, a, a pillar of fire in a, in a day and a pillar of cloud in, in a night. And, and they saw all these, these, many, these miraculous miracles that he did for them. And in an instant, they forgot. And they start worshiping this golden calf, you know. So remember Remember what, what, he has, <clears throat> what he has done for you. So to know God is to know truth. To know is to be taken in knowledge. You do not know something if you do not study it. You do not know something if you do not put time into it. <clears throat> right? So some of you guys in here are in relationships. Some of you guys in here are married, you know? I'm pretty sure it wasn't one day you just met someone and be like, yo, let's get married. You know? It took time. It was like, yo, let me get to know you. Let me get your number. You know? Like, it took time for that. You know? It wasn't just like, yo, you know, we both like the same show. <laughs> you know? It wasn't that. But it took time, and it took, it took years, you know? And it still takes time when you're in a relationship or if you're married, you know? To, to like, get to... To like, to, like, know someone. So it's the same with truth, that we have to spend time in it. We have to spend time around it. We have to spend time in this book. You know? That is what we have to do to be acquainted with truth, to be acquainted with it. And in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and active. 
sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. You know, his word is active. It's alive. How many of you guys play sports, you know? It's active. It's active. And it changes us and others around us. So God's truth isn't some dormant, asleep thing. But it is with us, and it guides us to discern and correct the attentions in our hearts. As a kid, um, we would always sing this song. Pretty sure and Cornerstone, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, it would be like, um, God's word is powerful and mighty. God's word is powerful and mighty. Mighty, mighty, mighty is God's word. So it's this thing that goes on about how strong God's word is, you know? I remember as a kid, like, singing this song, like, yeah, cool. God, God's word is powerful. Can we get on, <laughs> you know? Can, can, can we go outside to play? You know, so, like, but... As I got older, and, and, and as I got more mature, I realized how powerful his word is. You know, and, and just how it changes, how it changed me. Like, I used to be this, this disrespectful man to my mom. And, and I didn't respect her, and, and I was mean. And then when I started reading the Bible, and it says, you respect your parents. You love your parents. And I was like, hold on. I'm doing something wrong here. So I changed, or I didn't change, Jesus changed my ways. You know? I didn't do any of that. Jesus changed me. And my heart began to change. And now when I see my mom, it says nothing but respect for what she has done for me. It's nothing but respect for the sacrifices that she did for me. You know? So God, God's word is powerful and mighty, and it beats that by, I mean, and, and, and it beats the devil with a Bible verse, you know, as the song says. It is. So in the, in the um, point three is what, what I want to say is that the truth will set you free. So why will we seek for God's truth? How is this the, the one, you know, out of everything in the world? The end all of truth. In John 6, 63 to 65, <clears throat> Jesus says, it is the spirit who, who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are the spirit <clears throat> and life. But there are some of you in here who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were and who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. So Jesus was speaking some facts here. He was speaking some truth. And he was among a mass of people. And the thing is, when Jesus said this, guess what happened? Tons of people walked away. Many people walked away because Jesus' teachings, it wasn't easy to accept. It was countercultural. It was different from the norm. It was things people didn't expect him to, to say. They just wanted Jesus to be their personal chef. 
to feed their stomachs. But when he was to speak truth, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. It's too hard for me. But the thing is, truth is cutthroat. It's aggressive. Right? Like, there's times where I need my friends to tell me, yo, Rod, your breath is balling. You know? I ain't going to be hurt. I don't want to walk around with my breath kicking, talking to people. Say, like, take this trident. You know? Be real with me. And that's how truth is. It's real. It, it discerns. It cuts bone and marrow. It hurts. Because change isn't easy. You know? And these people, these people walked away. And then Jesus asked his disciples, his 12 disciples, are you guys going to leave me too? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know you, that you are the Holy One of God. Peter got it, you know? Lord, where else can I go that gives me life, you know? Where else can I go? There, is, there was nowhere on the else, there was nowhere else on the planet that gave Peter eternal life. There was no one on the planet that cared for him like how Jesus did. There is no freedom like freedom in Jesus. So when, so when Jesus was speaking his truth, and when Peter was standing there soaking it in, he said, Lord, yes, this is hard. Yes, this is life-changing. Yes, this will break my bones, but there's nowhere else that I can go. There's nowhere else I want to go because you're the only one that can give me eternal life. You're the only one. So what's your decision going to be, you know, to leave like the people who do not accept Jesus? Let him be your personal chef. Let him just cater your, your desires. But when it comes to truth, when it comes to change, are you going to leave? Or are you going to be like Peter? And says, Jesus, this is hard, but I am going to, I'm going to stay. Right? There's nowhere else in the world where we can find no condemnation for our sins, <clears throat> integration into a plan, and pure freedom from falsehood, deceit, and pretense, but Jesus, right? There's nowhere else. God, I tried things. I did things. Oh, this, this will guarantee me freedom. No, I was, I, I was chained. I was a slave. I was not a servant, you know? And God's truth is good because it leads to good things. David says in, in 2 Samuel 7, verse 28, he says, And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true. And you have promised this good thing to your servant. You know? It's not like we're in God's truth and we're like, oh, man, today I'm following God's truth. Oh. No, but it's like today I'm following God's truth. You know? Today I am in his truth. 
So the thing is that we need truth from our friends, our family, and mostly ourselves. The truth will set us free from our mistakes, our mishaps, and our own naivety. Here, I'll, I'll tell you a story about me when I was a kid and how <clears throat> a truth set me free from, like, a silly inconvenience. So when I was a kid, <clears throat> I really did not like, like, stuffy noses because I was like, man, if I can't breathe through my nose, how am I going to live, you know? <laughs> so one time, like, I remember I had this, this stuffy nose, and I ran in, into my dad's room. I was, I was like, crying, Dad, Dad, I can't breathe. And because my nose is all stuffed up, and I, I'm afraid if I sleep, I'm going to die. I was extra, you know? <laughs> and then and my dad turned to me, you know? He didn't laugh. He didn't make fun of me. And he said, Buddha, you know you can breathe through your mouth, right? I was like, I was like, ha, ha, ha. I was like yo, <laughs> you right, you right, you know? I can breathe through my mouth. And, like, even to this day, I use that tactic, you know? I get a stuffy nose, <laughs> you know? Breathe right through my mouth. But the thing is, I would have never known that if I didn't go to someone who knew truth, who knew that I could breathe through my mouth, you know? <laughs> but, and, and the thing is, guys, like, the people who are young in here, Youth Sunday, we don't know everything. So we have to go to someone who's wiser and say, teach me truth because I don't know it. Teach me the right way because I don't know what I'm doing. And it's okay to not to know. There's, it's this culture of you have to have everything together. No, you do not. You do not have to have everything together. It's okay if you don't know what college you're going to. It's okay if you don't know what your career is. It's okay. That's why you go and you seek after the old heads. <laughs> right? Yo, teach me something. Teach me how, teach me what I can do. Because I want to do what is right. You know? And I'm not saying... With, with God comes less problems. To be honest, more problems come, you know? But what I am saying is that with God and his truth comes stability, good stability in our self-worth. And with God's truth, we can speak those truths to ourselves and to others when they are depressed, when they are tired, when they are afraid when they are defeated, when they are worn, and when they are finished with life. Like, these are the things that we speak to people. These, this is the truth right here. Like, how many of you guys in here are tired, defeated, searching for something to cling on to? Because the thing is that we're all searching. The people who are out there in, in my neighborhood in Kensington, Philadelphia, they're all, it's a, they're addicted to drugs. And it's not that they're worse people, because they're made in the image of God. But it's that they're, they're, they're searching for something. And, and, and they think that their freedom is in drugs. 
And some of us in here think our freedom is in validation. Our freedom is in the acceptance of others. People have to accept me. You know? No, that's not what truth is, what we just learned. So the thing is, guys, that you don't have to be, you don't have to search no more. You don't have to be defeated no more. You don't have to be scared no more. You don't have to search. Because Jesus has all of what you are looking for. And the thing is, guys, I'm not telling you to accept this right now. Do your own study on it. Seek it. You know? Seek it for yourselves. Because you're not riding into heaven on your parents' coattails. It's your faith that you have to make. And the thing is, guys, when, when I was a youth pastor at, at a church and there was kids in the church that I was just like, man, yeah, like, they're going to be pillars for, of the faith. And then when they left for college, they never came back because it wasn't real to them. You know, it wasn't real. So today, guys, the youth in here, make this yours. Make this yours. If you don't know how to make it yours, ask someone. Ask me. You know? Because it's sad when, when, when someone is thriving for God. And then when they, when they leave and they never come back, and it's just like, man, like, what's, what happened? You know? You don't have to accept it today. You can go home and think about it. Say, Jesus, I want truth. Show me it. Show me truth. I have been believing in, I think, Jesus for about, like, 11 years of my life. And I can say that I found truth in scriptures. Truth that held me up in the darkest moments in my life. Truth that has held my family together. When I, when I was 14, my dad died away suddenly from his heart attack. You know, and our family was in disarray. And the thing that held me together was truth. You know, God, you are the father, like you father the widows, or not the widows, the, the, the orphans. You know, you father them. You look after the widows, my mom. You do that. And he did, and that's how I'm here today. Because it is truth. You know, truth has stopped my own mind of deceits and lies. And I want you to find that truth, too. So before I close, I want to tell you guys a story of of someone that is my mom. It's real important to me in my life. And uh, of how she was freed. Um, My mom, as I can remember my whole life, my mom's addicted. My mom and my dad was addicted to, to um, drugs. And I just remember it, it took control of their lives. They would rather buy drugs than to pay the rent. They would rather buy drugs than to give us food, you know? And my mom would always tell us, man, this is, this is my last time. Okay, mom, I heard this before, you know? 
But this one time, my mom came up to me, and she said, Raheem, this is my last time doing drugs. I was like, all right, mom, cool, you know? But you know what? It was one month, and then one month turned to three months, and three months turned to six months, and six months turned to a year, and then a year turned to six years, and this year will be seven years, you know? And, and it was because my mom believed truth that she was more than just a woman addicted to drugs, but she was an image bearer of God, you know? And that's what she believed or coming to believe, you know? And now she's asking me, Raheem, are you praying? You know? So God frees us from our bondage. Right? In, in, in Greek, the, the word for freedom is, yo, this is going to be but butchered. Troopsha. You know? And it's freedom, liberation from slavery. From slavery. Slavery to addiction. Slavery to <clears throat> anger. Slavery to anxiety. Slavery to depression. This is what Jesus liberates us from. This is what his truth liberates me from, liberates you from. So the question is, do you want to be liberated? Because Jesus offered us the chance to be forgiven and to be free when he took our sins on that cross. When he was on a cross and he died for the people. Like, like, like the cross is so complex that he died for the people in the past. He died for the people in the present. And as he was on that cross, he was looking at us towards the future. And he said, I'm, I'm dying for that hard-headed kid named Raheem. You know? I'm dying for him because I know that he's going to believe in this. And we did nothing to obtain that. I wasn't good enough. I didn't meet some certain criteria. I did none of that. But Jesus has shown us the greatest act of love recorded in human history. And all you have to do is believe. That's all you have to do. You don't have to perform. You know? So guys, call out to him, you know? Because he's waiting. He's waiting for you guys. So I'm going to pray, and then um, I think someone's coming up. All right. <laughs> um, dear God, um, thank you for true liberation. Thank you for true truth, that, that we get to find truth in you, um, and that there's nothing wrong with being a servant to you, because um, you said that you're making a house for us in your kingdom. So God, I pray for the people in here that, that your word was brought, and that people would say, man, I, I want to serve God. I want to be free. I want truth. So God, let truth reign, and let people be liberated from their problems. Because we know that, that you can do it. We know that your word is true. And we know that you're, you're, you're true to your promises. So God, hear us. Because we know that you're listening. So God, thank you for that's the opportunity to, um, to, to bring your word. I pray for the hearts in here um, that they can be changed. And mine too. In name I pray. Amen.